Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Well, if you got your Bibles, hopefully, hopefully you're you're there. Uh, Micah, Micah chapter three, uh, and, and and we'll get there in in, in just a, a moment. Um, we so so every just about every Friday night is our our uh, family pizza movie night, uh, and and it is uh, it is usually Aldi or Kroger pizza, which we found some pretty solid stuff. Um, but but one of our one of our Brooks family favorite movies uh, is is the Disney movie The Emperor's New Groove. Okay, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like. Uh, so, so by show of hands, who, how, how many of y'all have seen The Emperor's New Groove? Okay, all right, okay, all right, that's good. So, so one of the most ridiculous scenes in the movie, uh, early in the movie, involves uh, Pacha, uh, played by John Goodman, the peasant, as he uh, sort of meanders into Cusco's, the, the Emperor Cusco's castle, and, he, and he's, he's nervous about, about meeting the emperor, uh, about meeting the ruler, but no, no sooner has he arrived that he's informed that his uh, quaint, like scenic house on a, on a hill is going to get demolished. Uh, so that the emperor can build his, uh, Cusco can build his elaborate uh, water park themed summer home. Uh, for five extra bonus points, does anybody know what that home was going to be called? Yes! Wow! <laughs> Nobody got it at the eight o'clock service. Cusco-topia for five points, okay? So, so of course, if, you know, if, if you've seen the movie, uh, from there, the egotistical, greedy, uh, you know, Cusco gets morphed into a llama, uh, and, and he spends the rest of the movie on a, on a journey with Pacha, uh, trying to get his kingdom back, trying to get his body back, and ultimately, in the end, he softens, he realizes, hey, I need to start thinking of others, I can't just think of myself. Um, if, listen, if I spoiled it for you, uh, I'm sorry, but... It came out 21 years ago, okay? <laughs> you have had plenty of time to catch this flick. Um, here's what I want to say this morning. Fictional Disney characters are, are one thing, but it's a little scarier when that's real life, amen? It's a little scarier when real lives are impacted. And the context of Micah 3 gives us a church family, a front row seat into the abysmal failure of Israel's leaders to shepherd and take care of others. Instead of uh, living to give, which is going to kind of be our theme through this, instead of living to give, we're going to see that the judges, the prophets, and even the priests live just to pad their own pockets, to satisfy their own selfish desires. In restoration, one of, our, one of our core values, one of our five core values is this, this value of communal giving. 
And, and, and what we say is we, when, when you look at the book of Acts, and when you really look at the New Testament as a, as a whole, what you're going to see is it reveals a biblical community of sacrificial givers. Amen? I don't know if you're with me this morning. When you read the New Testament, it's a, what you see is people who are pouring their lives out from one another. You see a biblical community who, who gives their stuff, their time, their energy, their resources, and their talents for the sake of the gospel. Amen? And so we, we hold that value up. And, and listen, today's church, like it's a far cry uh, from... from from this is, is we see a lot of people, they might, they might give from their overflow. They, oh yeah, 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 I've got some extra. But, but this thought of giving from a place of deficit or from a place of personal cost, man, you don't see that as much. And so a couple of questions that you on as we're, as we're diving into the text. Christian, uh, here, here's, here's one. Christian, are you, are you quick to give? Are you like, are you quick to give or are you are you reluctant? And, and then the follow up question to that is, man, are you quick to move toward need? Are you quick to move toward need or are you reluctant? See, church now, now more than ever, and we're going to see this in Micah three, we we've got to cling to biblical justice in the biblical gospel in their collision in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen. The gospel we've, we've talked about this. Pastor Matt Prime preached about it recently over and over again. But we, we say this, the gospel is very simple. The gospel is Christ crucified for sin and raised. And only, only Jesus can transform hearts. But we, we know this from Philippians 2, 5 through 8, that Jesus, as God in human flesh, He emptied Himself, He took on the form of a servant, and He gave His life for others. Amen? And so, Christian, if you're following in the footsteps of your Savior, and I'm going to be very intentional how I say this, the effect of the gospel, the effect of the gospel is that we move toward need. And we live, we live to give. We move toward need and we live to give. In our text this morning, we're going to, we're going to, look, at, we're going to look at three things that, that, that happen when you don't live, when you don't live to give, look at verse, and we're gonna we're gonna uh, kind of get a snapshot of the text. So we we may jump a little bit, but I want you to look at verse four. It says this, and they will cry to the Lord, and He will not answer them. He will hide His face from them at the time because they have made their deeds evil. Verse 6 says this, Therefore, it shall be night to you without vision, darkness without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets. The day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced. The diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. First thing, first point, if you're following along in the bulletin, if when, when we do not live to give, you, you alienate yourself from God and you miss His voice. You alienate yourself from God and you miss His voice. So I want you to look at your neighbor and say, alienate. Look at your other neighbor and say, miss God's voice. 
This is what happens when we don't live to give. See, uh, verse 4 addresses the, uh, it addresses the, heads, the heads of Israel. The rulers, the heads of Jacob and rulers, verse 1, I'm sorry, the heads of Jacob, the rulers of the house of Israel. James Montgomery Boyce says this, he said, the word that ties this chapter together is the word justice. Justice had departed from Judah. These were the southern tribes of Israel, of Judah and Benjamin. Justice had departed. And here in Micah 3, Micah, the prophet, addresses these heads and these rulers. The question is, who is he talking about? All the way back in in Exodus chapter 18, uh, you you had Moses. And and after being being rebuked by his father-in-law for trying to be a one-man show, Moses had appointed leaders from every tribe. Every tribe, every, every family, every house to judge over Israel to make sure that the people were following God's law, to make sure that they were loving God and loving neighbor well. And so without a, without a doubt, this practice of, uh, of having a system of judges, it had continued to this time in Israel, the time of the kings. These were, these were literally, these judges and rulers, these were literally the deciders for Israel. And make no mistake, church fam, Micah is calling out corruption in the courts. He's calling it out. And you see in verse 4, check out verse 4, you see the ultimate irony. See in verse 4, those, those who were turning their backs on others, they were turning their backs on those who were in need, they were oppressing others, they were abusing their leadership. Now they experience the same silent treatment from God. And in fact, the, the picture here is one of desperation because the text says they, they cry to the Lord, but He will not answer them because of their willful evil. This is a scary, scary place to be. God, God hid, the text says God hid His face from those who had been given the task of leading and being the, the gatekeepers of justice in Israel. And see, what's interesting about this is all across Israel, the, all of the people would have been familiar with, with what was called the Aaronic Blessing. The Aaronic Blessing. Uh, it's in Numbers 6, 24 through 25, where Aaron, Moses' brother, said, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. So, so they, they, would, they would recite that. They would, they would worship to that. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. Be gracious and bless you. The problem was that that was just assumed. Y'all with me? If you're, if you're with me, say amen. Like they, they just assume like, yeah, we get that because we're awesome. We're the people of God. And regardless Regardless of what was going on in the culture, regardless of their idolatry, regardless of the injustice, they just, they just presumed upon the grace of God that His face would continue to shine and that He would pour out that blessing. In verse 6, Micah, he, 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 sw- he switched over to addressing the judges, he, or from addressing the judges to the, to the prophets, but the problem is still the same. It's still the same. Verse 6, it paints a pretty bleak picture. You see this, you see this fourfold repetition of darkness. Where, where, where he, he says, he said it is night. It'll be night without vision. Darkness. The sun shall go down. The day, the day shall be black. 
Like, I, I, don't, I don't like the, the, the dark, I, like not, not in like a, a little child, like I'm scared of the dark kind of way. I, I, just, I, just like, I just like hanging out in the light. And, and as a youth minister, I'll never forget, I, I would go over uh, to one, one of our, one of our uh, volunteer couples, Jeff and Terry, I, I, I'd roll over their house, and without a doubt, every time I'd go over there, uh, like every light in the house was off. And they're like, come on in. And I'm like stumbling over furniture, knocking stuff over. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, y'all. I forgot my night vision goggles in my car. But I mean, studies show, uh, you know, you sit around in a dark room all day. It, it impacts your countenance and your mood. And so listen, like if you, if you invite me over to the casa and you got every every light in your house off, like I, I probably won't tell you what to do, but while you're not looking, I might slip a night light in the wall, okay? I'm just saying, we're going to get some light up in there. Church fam, the, the picture of verse 6 is one of utter darkness. Utter darkness. It is a picture of leaders and leadership that has completely lost its way. And as a result, Everybody suffered. And in verse 7, you look at, the, you look at the, the end result, disgrace, shame. And once again, no answer from God. The words, the words of Proverbs 21.13 were being fulfilled. It says, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Let's, let's talk a little application right here. Church family, let's talk some application. See, let, let, me, let me be clear. Because this is, this is the context of the passage. Let me, let me be clear. Leaders, whether, whether in the judicial system, whether local or state or national government, they are, they are held to a higher standard by God for holding up justice. Amen? I don't know if y'all are hearing me. And when these, when these positions of power is, are used as launch pads uh, for, for more money and more power, like God sees that, amen? Like God deeply cares about that. He sees it and there, there will be accountability, whether in this life or the next, amen? And, and, and I, think, I think so often what we're doing is we're looking at that and rightly so, we, we should but we look at that and what we have to guard against is, is this. We can't, we can't look out there while if we're not willing to examine our own stuff and our own leadership. Amen? I, like, I, I, don't care, I don't care who you are. Like we, all, you, like we all lead something. We all lead something. Parents. Parents. How do you, like, how do you treat your children? Like, how are you pouring into your kids? Christian, like, how do you, how do you run your business? Like, how do, you, how do you manage those who are under you? How, how about this? How do you treat that waiter or waitress? <laughs> some, of you, some of you waitresses are like, amen. <laughs> Hashtag church crowd. It's rough. All right? <laughs> I don't need your track. I need some cash, okay? <laughs> You know what Jesus would do? He'd give me some money, okay? <laughs> or, 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 how about, or how about the how about the homeless man or woman on the street? How do you look at them? 
Or, or how about this, Christian student leader? How, how about this, student leader? Are you, are you a bondservant of Christ? Are you, are you actually swelled up with pride over your Christian organizational title? Because that's a thing. See, it's easy... It's easy to sit back. I'm not saying either or, it's both. But it's easy to sit back and to snipe at those in leadership or, or those with a measure of power and authority and leadership and ignore the, the glaring reality that if, you, that if you had the same temptation with the same level of money or power, man, you, you might fall in a heartbeat. And the only reason many haven't fallen isn't because of their great pious righteousness. No, no, it's just been a lack of opportunity. And so whether, listen, whether, whether you possess a little or, or much, or, or whether your, your power and your leadership are little or, or much, the rem, remedy is if you're following in the path of Jesus Christ, you live to give. Amen? Like if you're following in the footsteps of the Savior, you, you live to give. And, and, and I say that because maybe for some of you, like God is seeming like, man, I just God seems distant. I feel like I've just been walking in, in darkness. And if you stop to consider, it could be because you refuse to sacrificially and, and generously and, and joyfully give to others. Second thing this morning, we'll look at verse five. Verse five says this. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but they declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. Second, second point is this. When you don't live to give, you only see people for what they can do for you. When you don't live to give, you only see people for what they can do for you. And so I want you to look at your neighbor and, and, and when you don't live to give, tell them, uh, it's all about me. <laughs> that, was, that was depressing. Look at your other neighbor. Look at your other neighbor tell them, it's all about me. See, it's all about when you, when you don't live to give, it's all, about, it's all about me. It's all about you. And so in verse 5 through 7, Micah, he's addressing the prophets of Israel. Like, those who were supposed to be the very mouthpiece of God to the people. And once again, there, there, there's, this, there's this massive breakdown of leadership. And the nation was plunged in, into confusion as they didn't, know, they didn't know who was a true prophet and who was a false prophet. Like, they didn't know the difference between true and false. Like, when, when, I, was, when I was at A&M, I loved, if you're taking tests, like, I would love short answer, right? Because, I, I don't know if you know this about me, like, I, I write and I, and I talk, and so I'm like, I may not know the answer, uh, but man, I, I'm going to write something super thoughtful in this space, right? Like, it's, it's going to be good, it, you know, and of course, the good teachers are like, man, what in the world? This guy, has, has he been to class? Um, but... Here's what I didn't like. I, 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 didn't, I didn't like true-false. I didn't like true-false because uh, unlike multiple choice where at least I had some options and could narrow it down, true-false just rudely like, wanted me to know like, the correct answer. Right? <laughs> like, just so rude. Yes or no. <laughs> correct or incorrect. That would have involved studying. Um, 
Church, Israel didn't know who was the true and false prophets, but here's the thing. They already had sort of a, a God-given prophecy litmus test. You go, you go back to Deuteronomy 18.22, and the word was clear. Deuteronomy 18.22, if their word didn't come true, it's a false prophet. <laughs> if, we, if we applied that today, there might be some bloodshed in the Christian community. <laughs> Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 3, if their word contradicted the word of God, it was a false prophet. Richard Phillips says the prophet, here's what was going on. Richard Phillips says the prophets were leading the people astray by adjusting their messages to what the recipients could do for them. In a over a hundred years after this time, a hundred years later, the prophet Jeremiah was still calling this out in Judah. Jeremiah said, for from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. From prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. You see, the false prophets of Micah's day, man, they did the same. They did the same. They... They spoke a word of false peace, but what was even worse, they, they only prophesied peace. They only prophesied shalom when, when they got their bellies filled. But for those who would not indulge them, it was a, it was a declaration of war. And, and, and a, few things, a few things to consider about that. One is prophets, again, by trade, they were supposed to declare the very words of God. So that they were representing God as a, as a tyrant who only blessed when he selfishly got his way. Two, their actions meant that it was the least of these who suffered. Those who did not have the means or the access to give them food or whatever they wanted, those were the people that they cursed. And then three, those with more means were blessed and they were declared to be in a, in a position of peace, of shalom with God, wholeness and right relationship with God. And so essentially, false assurance was given to the wealthy and the not so subtle message was, hey, you can pay off God. Like you, can, you can purchase favor and peace with God, but nothing could be further from the truth. See, somewhere along the way, these, these prophets stopped seeing people as image bearers of Almighty God, and they only viewed them for self-serving purposes. Y'all hear me, church? And here's the sad reality, though. It, it, it became a, a mutually codependent relationship because the people of Israel, here's what they could do. The people of Israel, they could look the other way. Even though they were worshiping idols, even though sexual immorality was rampant, even, even though they were trampling justice in the streets for a fee, they could, they could go to the prophet and get their guilty consciences assuaged with a reassuring word of peace. Let's talk a little bit of application here. See, let's talk some application. Paul said it like this in 2 Timothy 4.3. He said this, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, 
But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And so let, let, me, let me put it in terms that everybody can, can understand right now. Let, let me put it like this. Like, what, what do you want to hear, right? What do you want to hear? What do you, what do you want to hear about COVID? Like, what do you, what do you want to hear about politics, what do you want to hear about race? What do you want to hear about, about sexual, uh, God's design for human sexuality? What do you want to hear about grace and salvation? See, there's, there's no shortages of churches that will gladly cater to the whims of modern culture and preach and teach like what people's ears are already longing to hear. All around us. And many churches, man, they've sold out because they know if they, if they brought actual biblical clarity, it might drive folks to go get that word of peace down the road. And they'll, take their, they'll take their wallets and they'll take their, their, their purses and their passion and they, they say, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down there. They'll say what I want to hear. God help us. See, the, the bottom line is that we perpetuate this culture and even church culture where everyone only continues to see people for what, what they can do for me. Like what, do I, like, what do I get out of it? Or, or how about this? Like, you're not, you're not in my camp. You don't advance my stuff. You, you won't get behind my agenda, my opinion, my ideology, or my downright idolatry. I, like, I'm out. Church, like what are we doing? See, when we follow the way of Jesus and we live to give, like you see, everybody is an image bearer of God. And even, even the ones, even the ones who the folks who disagree with you, I, man, I know that's crazy talk, right? <laughs> They're still an image bearer of Almighty God, amen. And it means sometimes you, you listen to those who, who give. You need to listen to those who are given that hard biblical word that challenges what, what you want to be true, <clears throat> but may not be biblically true. See, when we follow, when we follow in the way of Christ, we, we live to serve others, not to use them. When you follow in the way of Jesus, you, you live to serve others, not to use them. Third thing, <clears throat> look at verse 1, and then kind of bookends of the passage, we'll look at verse 9 and 10, maybe 11 as well. I said, hear you heads of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice? And verse 9 says this, hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob. Rulers of the house of Israel who detest justice, who make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and they say, is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Third thing this morning is this. When, 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 we, when we don't live to give, you, you lose sight of justice and generosity. Amen? You lose sight of justice and generosity. I want you to look at your neighbor uh, to the left and say, justice. 
Look at your neighbor to the right and say, generosity. generosity. See, here's the context. The context is this is during the reign of King Hezekiah. Hezekiah, during his reign, like the economy, the economy was flourishing in Judah. Man, there were building projects going on. Infrastructure was being built up. There was an aqueduct system that, was, that we know from history uh, uh, that, that, was, that was being put in. Archaeologists at this time, they, they look at this period. And in this time, Judah grew three or fourfold. Like just uh, Jerusalem grew. Part of what was going on is that the Assyrians had wiped out Samaria and the northern tribes, so you had a lot of those guys coming down into Judah. But unfortunately, Israel didn't learn their lesson from Egypt. The very ones that were liberated from injustice during the days of Moses were now building their own city with blood. And the rulers, James Montgomery Boyce said, had created a system in which everything was structured for profit. They used justice and religion to serve their own ends, and they grew richer at the expense of the poor, Boyce says. The corruption, listen, it wasn't just the judges, it wasn't just the rulers, it wasn't just the prophets. Y'all, it went all the way to the priests, the priests who were over the sacrificial system, who were supposed to represent the, the heart and the character, the law of God, the forgiveness of God. They were found teaching and shepherding from a motive of greed. This is why, this is why Paul, the Apostle Paul said, in 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. See, church fam, when, when, when leaders live and give sacrificially, the whole community benefits. And I, and I would say the, the community follows their lead. Unfortunately for Israel, the leaders set a different tone and the nation followed suit. It's like this. You ever, you ever watch the, the prices, right? <clears throat> Not like the new uh, Drew Carey nonsense. I'm talking about like the OG Bob Barker stuff. Y'all, y'all watch The Price is Right? Come on, yeah. All the old people <laughs> like, like me. <laughs> now that is an entertaining show. It was. Watching people literally freak out about pricing a, a can of barbecue sauce. <laughs> Some dude wins a car. And it's like a Mercury Sable, you know? If you drive a Sable, I apologize. Or some, or some like 82-year-old uh, woman wins a pair of jet skis, and you're just going, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to be useful um, for her. But the name of the game was to guess the price, and like people were ecstatic about just naming the price. Church, the, the Israelites were playing their own game of the prices, right? And they were selling one another out. They were selling one another out for their own stuff, for their own selfish motives. Let me say this. A, a breakdown of justice is always tied to a breakdown of sacrificial generosity. And make no mistake, a breakdown of sacrificial generosity is a gospel breakdown. Let me say that again. A breakdown of justice is always tied to a breakdown of sacrificial generosity. And when sacrificial generosity is broken down, there's been a gospel breakdown. 
Restoration family, we, we've got to guard against this double life where, where we, man, we praise God for what He's given us. And we, man, we sing praises and we're like, man, God is so awesome. He's given, you know, we give Him praise with our lips for all these things that He's given us. And then our hearts refuse to give toward others. We refuse to give our lives our stuff, our time, our resources, energy, and talents for the sake of others, for the sake of the gospel. John Calvin said this, the truest means of remedying and checking this evil inclination that lies within us is to show charity toward our neighbors. See, being generous not only reveals a heart that's in right relationship with God, it serves to check our hearts against greed. I'll close, I'll close with this this morning and we're done. Let me close with this. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us. A fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Man, it's calling us to imitate a God who gave. See, Jesus, Jesus was the ultimate servant leader who gave his life so that others might live. Christian, listen, seekers, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus, but you're seeking and you're checking things out. Let me say this, you, you, you can't take your stuff with you. You can't, you can't take it with you. Although, although I did hear about somebody who tried to, he tried to ride into his will a U-Haul rental to be attached to his hearse driving down the road just to jack with people. <laughs> Doesn't work. Martin Luther said, I've tried to keep things in my hands and I've lost them all. But what I have given into God's hands, I still possess. Listen. One day... You will stand before the Father. You will, you will stand before God. And I've, I've said this before, but the only possession that you will be worried about is possessing the righteousness of Jesus Christ through faith. That, that is the only possession that matters before God. And if that's, if that's the case, man, like why do we keep clinging to our stuff? Why do we cling to our stuff? Why do, we, why do we run over others? And why do we fail to, to move toward great need? Let's be a people who imitate the heart of God. Amen? Let's be a people who, who live to give. And in so doing, man, we can give the world a, a glimpse of a God who gave Himself for us so that we might live. Y'all pray with me this morning.